part three of use of the dead to the living by thomas southwood smith this liverpox recording is in the public domain part three aristotus who was a great speculator and whose theories had the most important influence on his practice banished bloodletting altogether from medicine for the following notable reasons because he says we cannot always see the vein we intend to open because we are not sure we may not open an artery instead of a vein because we cannot ascertain the true quantity to be taken because if we take too little the intention is not answered if too much we may destroy the patient and because the evacuation of the venous blood is succeeded by that of the spirits which thus pass from the arteries into the veins wherefore bloodletting ought never to be used as a remedy in disease yet though he was thus cautious in abstracting blood it must not be supposed that he was not a sufficiently bold practitioner in tumour of the liver he hesitated not to cut open the abdomen and to apply his medicines immediately to the diseased organ but though he took such liberties with the liver he regarded with the greatest apprehension the operation of tapping in dropsy of the abdomen because said he the waters being evacuated the liver which is inflamed and become hard like a stone is more pressed by the adjacent parts which the waters kept at a distance from it whence the patient dies one physician conceived that gout originated from an effervescence of the synovia of the joints with the vitriolated blood whence he recommended alcohol for its cure a remedy for which the court of aldermen ought to have voted him a medal a more ancient practitioner who believed that the finger of st blasius was very efficacious for removing a bone which sticks in the throat maintained that gout was the grand dryer and prescribed a remedy for it which the patient was to use for a whole year and to observe the following diet each month in september he must eat and drink milk in october he must eat garlic in november he is to abstain from bathing in december he must eat no cabbage in january he is to take a glass of pure wine in the morning in february to eat no beef in march to mix several things both in eatables and drinkables in april not to eat horseradish nor in may the fish called polypius in june he is to drink cold water in a morning in july to avoid venery and lastly in august to eat no mallows a third physician deduced all diseases from inspissation of the fluids hence he attached the highest importance to diluent drinks and believed that tea especially is a sovereign remedy in almost every disease to which the human frame is subject tea says bentocchi who is loudest in his praise of this panacea and who as blumenbach observes deserved to have been pensioned by the east india company for his services tea is the best nay the only remedy for correcting viscidity of the blood the source of all diseases and for dissipating the acid of the stomach as it contains a fine oleaginous volatile salt and certain subtle spirits which are analogous in their nature to the animal spirits 
tea fortifies the memory and all the intellectual faculties it will therefore furnish the most effectual means of improving physical education against fever there is no better remedy than forty or fifty cups of tea swallowed immediately after one another the slime of the pancreas is thus carried off another physician derived all his diseases from a redundancy or deficiency of fire and water he maintained that where the water predominated the fluids became viscid and that hence arose intermittent fevers and arthritic complaints his remedies are in strict conformity to his theory these diseases are to be cured by volatile salts which abound with fiery particles venusection in any case is highly pernicious these fiery medicines are the only efficacious remedies and are to be employed even in diseases of the most inflammatory nature life says dr brown is a forced state it is a flame kept alive by excitement everything stimulates some substances too violently others not sufficiently there are thus two kinds of debility indirect and direct and to one or other of these causes must be referred the origin of all diseases according to this doctrine the mode of cure is simple we have nothing to do but to supply to moderate or to abstract stimuli typhus fever in this system is a disease of extreme debility we must therefore give the strongest stimulants consumption and apoplexy also are diseases of debility of course the remedies are active stimulants humanity shudders and with reason at the application of such doctrines to practice and not less destitute of reason and not less dangerous in practice is the great doctrine of debility promulgated by cullen this celebrated professor taught that the circumstances which invariably characterized fever that which constituted its essence was debility the inference was obvious that above all things the strength must be supported the consequence was that bloodletting was neglected and that bark and wine were given in immense quantities in cases in which intense inflammation existed the practice was in the highest degree mortal the number of persons who have perished in consequence of this doctrine is incalculable so far then is it from being true that medical theories are of no practical importance there is the closest possible connection between the speculations of the physician in his closet and the measures which he adopts at the bedside of his patient truth to him is a benignant power which stops the progress of disease protracts the duration of life and mitigates the suffering it may be unable to remove error is a fearfully active and tremendously potent principle there is not a medical prejudice which has not slain its thousands nor a false theory which has not immolated its tens of thousands the system of medicine and surgery which is established in any country has a greater influence over the lives of its inhabitants than the epidemic diseases produced by its climate or the decisions of its government concerning peace and war 
the devastations of the yellow fever will bear no comparison with the ravages committed by the brunonian system and the slaughter of the field of waterloo counts not of victims a tithe of the number of which the collinian doctrine of debility can justly boast anatomy alone will not teach a physician to think much less to think justly but it will give him the elements of thinking it will furnish him with the means of correcting his errors it will certainly save him from some delusions and will afford to the public the best shield against his ignorance which may be fatal and against his presumption which may be devastating we have entered into this minute detail at the hazard we are aware of tiring the reader but in the hope of leaving on his mind a more distinct impression of the importance of anatomical knowledge than could possibly be produced by a mere allusion to the circumstances which have been explained in all ages formidable obstacles have opposed the prosecution of anatomical investigations among these without doubt the most powerful has its source in a feeling which is natural to the heart of man the sweetest the most sacred associations are indissolubly connected with the person of those we love it is with the corporeal frame that our senses have been familiar it is that on which we have gazed with rapture it is that which has so often been the medium of conveying to our hearts the thrill of ecstasy we cannot separate the idea of the peculiarities and actions of a friend from the idea of his person it is for this reason that everything which has been associated with him acquires a value from that consideration his ring his watch his books and his habitation the value of these as having been his is not merely fictitious they have an empire over my mind they can make me happy or unhappy they can torture and they can tranquillize they can purify my sentiments and make me similar to the man i love they possess the virtue which the indian is said to attribute to the spoils of him he kills and inspire me with the power the feelings and the heart of their preceding master it is nothing says the survivor to tell me when disease completed its work and death has seized its prey that that body with which are connected so many delightful sensations is a senseless mass of matter that it is no longer my friend that the spirit which animated it and rendered it lovely to my sight and dear to my affections is gone i know that it is gone i know that i never more shall see the light of intelligence brighten that countenance nor benevolence beam in that eye nor the voice of affection sound from those lips that which i loved and which loved me is not there but here are still the features of my friend this is his form and the very particles of matter which compose this dull mass a few hours ago were a real part of him and i cannot separate them in my imagination from him and i approach them with the profounder reverence i gaze upon them with the deeper affection because they are all that remain to me i would give all that i possess to purchase the art of preserving the wholesome character and rosy hue of this form that it might be my companion still but this is impossible i cannot detain it from the tomb 
but when i have cast a heap of mould upon the person of my friend and taken the cold earth for its keeper i visit the spot in which it is deposited with awe it is sacred to my imagination it is dear to my heart there is a real and deep foundation for these feelings in human nature they arise spontaneously in the bosom of man and we see their expression and their power in the customs of all nations savage as well as civilized and in the conduct of all men the most ignorant and uncultivated no less than the most intelligent and refined it has been the policy of society to foster these sentiments it has been conceived that the sanctity which attaches to the dead is reflected back in a profounder feeling of respect for the living that the solemnity with which death is regarded elevates in the general estimation the value of life and that he who cannot approach the mortal remains of a fellow-creature without an emotion of awe must regard with horror everything which places in danger the life of a human being religion has contributed indirectly but powerfully to the strength and perpetuity of these impressions and superstition has availed herself of them to play her antics and to accomplish her base and malignant purposes it is not the eradication of these feelings that can be desired but their control it is not the extinction of these natural and useful emotions that is pleaded for but they should give way to higher considerations when these exist veneration for the dead is connected with the noblest and sweetest sympathies of our nature but the promotion of the happiness of the living is a duty from which we can never be exonerated in antient times the voice of reason could not be heard superstition and customs founded on superstition excited an influence which was neither to be resisted nor evaded dissection was then regarded with horror in the warm countries of the east the pursuit must have been highly offensive and even dangerous and it was absolutely incompatible with the notions and ceremonies universally prevalent in those days the jewish tenant of pollution must have formed an insuperable obstacle to the cultivation of anatomy amongst that people by the egyptians every one who cut open a dead body was regarded with inexpressible horror the grecian philosophers so far overcame the prejudice as occasionally to engage in the pursuit and the first dissection on record was one made by democritus of abdera the friend of hippocrates in order to discover the course of the bile the romans contributed nothing to the progress of the art they were content with propitiating the deities who presided over health and disease they erected on the palatine mont a temple to the goddess febris whom they worshipped from a dread of her power they also sacrificed to the goddess osopaga who it seems presided over the growth of the bones and to another styled carna who took care of the viscera and to whom they offered bean broth and bacon because these were the most nutritious articles of diet the arabians adopted the jewish notion of pollution and were thus prohibited by the tenets of their religion from practising dissection 
Abdolafik, who flourished about the year 1200, a man of learning and a teacher of anatomy, never saw and never thought of a human dissection. In order to examine and demonstrate the bones, he took his students to burying grounds and earnestly recommended them, instead of reading books, to adopt that method of study yet he seemed to have no conception that the dissection of a recent subject might be a still better method of learning christians were equally hostile to dissection pope boniface the eighth issued a bull prohibiting even the maceration and preparation of skeletons the priests were the only physicians and so greatly did they abuse the office they assumed that the evil at length became too intolerable to be borne the church itself was obliged to prohibit the priesthood from interfering with the practice of medicine all monks and canons who applied themselves to physic were threatened with severe penalties and all bishops abbots and priors who connived at their misconduct were ordered to be suspended from their ecclesiastical functions but it was not till three hundred years after this interdiction that by a special bull which permitted physicians to marry their complete separation from the clergy was effected in the fourteenth century mundanus professor at bologna astonished the world by the public dissection of two human bodies in the fifteenth century leonardo da vinci contributed essentially to the progress of the art by the introduction of anatomical plates which were admirably executed in the sixteenth century the emperor charles v ordered a consultation to be held by the divines of salamanca to determine whether it was lawful in point of conscience to dissect a dead body in order to learn its structure in the seventeenth century cortesius professor of anatomy at bologna and afterwards professor of medicine at messina had long begun a treatise on practical anatomy which he had an earnest desire to finish but so great was the difficulty of prosecuting the study even in italy that in twenty-four years he could only twice procure an opportunity of dissecting a human body and even then with difficulty and in hurry whereas he had expected to have done so once every year according to the custom of the famous academies of italy in muscovy until very lately both anatomy and the use of skeletons were positively forbidden the first as inhuman and the latter as subservient to witchcraft even the illustrious luther was so biased by the prejudices of his age that he ascribed the majority of the diseases to the arts of the devil and found great fault with physicians when they attempted to account for them by natural causes england acquired the bad fame of being the country of witches and opposed almost insuperable obstacles to the cultivation of anatomy even at present the prejudices of the people on this subject are violent and deeply rooted the measure of that violence may be estimated by the degree of abhorrence with which they regard those persons who are employed to procure the subjects necessary for dissection in this country there is no other method of obtaining subjects but that of exhumation aversion to this employment may be pardoned dislike to the persons who engage in it is natural but to regard them with detestation to exult in their punishment 
to determine for themselves its nature and measure and to endeavour to assume the power of inflicting it with their own hands is absurd magistrates have too often fostered the prejudices of the people and afforded them the means of executing their vengeance on the objects of their aversion the press has uniformly allied itself with the ignorance and violence of the vulgar and has done everything in its power to inflame the passions which it was its duty to endeavour to soothe it is notorious that the winter before last there was scarcely a week in which the papers did not contain the most exaggerated and disgusting statements the appetite which could be gratified with such representations was sufficiently degraded but still more base was the servility which could pander to it half a century ago there was in scotland no difficulty in obtaining the subjects which were necessary to supply the schools of anatomy the consequence was that medicine and surgery assumed new life started from the torpor in which they had been spellbound and made an immediate and rapid and brilliant progress the new seminaries constantly sent into the world men of the most splendid abilities at once demonstrating the excellence of the schools in which they were educated and rendering them illustrious pupils flocked to them from all quarters of the globe and they essentially contributed to that advancement of science which the present age has witnessed in the nineteenth century the good people of scotland that intelligent that cool and calculating that most reasonable and thinking people have thought proper to return to the worst feeling and the worst conduct of the darkest periods of antiquity there is at present no offence whatever which seems to have such power to heat and exult into a kind of torrent the blood which usually flows so calmly and sluggishly in the veins of a scotchman the people of eighteen twenty three to compare great things with small emulate the spirit of those of their forefathers who were out in the forty-five the object to be sure is somewhat different but it is amusing to see the intensity and seriousness of the excitement about twelve months ago an honest farmer of the name of scott who resides at linthago apprehended a poor white who was pursuing his vocation we presume in the churchyard of that place and this service appeared so meritorious to the people in his neighbourhood that they absolutely presented him with a piece of plate in the winter sessions of eighteen twenty two and three a body was discovered on its way to the lecture-room of an anatomist in glasgow and in spite of the exertions of the police aided by those of the military this gentleman's premises and their contents which were valuable were entirely destroyed by the mob for some time after this achievement it was necessary to station a military guard at the houses of all the medical professors in that city in the spring circuit of the judiciary court last year at stirling while the judges were proceeding to the court the procession was assaulted with missiles several persons were injured and it was necessary to call in the protection of a military force the object of the mob was to inflict summary punishment on a man who was about to be tried for the exhumation of a body 
we happen to know that the most disgraceful proceedings were some time ago instituted in that town against a young gentleman of respectable family and connections who was in fact expatriated and whose prospects in life were entirely changed if not ruined because he had too much honour to implicate his instructors in a transaction which would have put them to an inconvenience and in which they had engaged from a desire faithfully to discharge their duty to their pupils within the last five years three men were lodged in the county jail in headington charged with a trespass in the churchyard of that town so enraged was the mob against them that an attempt was made to force the jail in order to get at them on their way to the court the men were again attacked forced from the carriage and severely maimed after examination they were admitted to bail but when set at liberty they were assailed with more violence than ever and were nearly killed on the twenty ninth of june eighteen twenty three being sunday a most extraordinary outrage was perpetrated in the streets of edinburgh a coach containing an empty coffin and two men was observed proceeding along the south bridge the people suspecting that it was intended to convey a body taken from some churchyard seized the coach it was with difficulty that the police protected the men from the assaults of the populace the coach they had no power to preserve the horses were taken from it and together with the coffin after having been trundled a mile and a half through the streets of the city it was deliberately projected over the steep side of the mound and smashed into a thousand pieces the people following it to the bottom kindled a fire with its fragments and surrounded it like the savages in robinson crusoe till it was entirely consumed in this case there was no foundation for their suspicions the coffin was intended to have conveyed to his house in edinburgh the body of a physician who that morning had died in a cottage near the neighbourhood a similar assault was some time ago made on two american gentlemen who went to visit the abbey of linthago after nightfall the churchyards of the good scots are now strictly guarded by men and dogs watch-towers are erected within the grounds and mortisafes as they are called that is to say strong iron frames are deposited in the ground over the graves these people sometimes declare that they will put an end to anatomy and certainly they are succeeding in the accomplishment of this menace as rapidly as they can well desire the average number of medical students in edinburgh is seven hundred each session for several years past the difficulty of procuring subjects in that place has been so great that out of all that number not more than a hundred and fifty or two hundred have ever attempted to dissect and even these have latterly been so opposed in their endeavours to prosecute their studies that many of them have left the place in disgust we have been informed by a friend that he alone was personally acquainted with twenty individuals who retired from it at the beginning of last session and who went to pursue their studies in dublin and we know that vast numbers followed their example at the end of the winter course 
the medical school at edinburgh in fact is now subsisting entirely on its past reputation in the course of a few years it will be entirely at an end unless the system be changed let those who have the prosperity of the university at heart and who have the power to protect it consider this before it be too late they may be assured it is no idle prediction for we give them notice that it is at this moment the universal opinion and the current language of every well-informed medical man in england an excellent system of anatomical plates which has been well received by the profession has lately been published by mr lizars a lecturer on anatomy and physiology in edinburgh this gentleman states that he has been induced to undertake this work in order to obviate the most fatal consequences to the public as far at least as a reference to art instead of nature is capable of obviating those consequences he affirms that the difficulty of obtaining instruction from nature has arisen to such a pitch owing to the extraordinary severity exercised by the legal authorities of the kingdom against persons employed in procuring subjects for dissection as to threaten the ultimate destruction of medical and anatomical science in his preface to the second part of his work he apologizes to his readers for dividing one portion of it from another with which it ought to have been connected but states that he has been compelled to do so from the prejudices of the place which prevented him for upwards of five months from procuring a subject from which he might make his drawings in place of living he says in a civilized and enlightened period we appear as if we had been thrown back some centuries into the dark ages of ignorance bigotry and superstition prejudices worthy only of the multitude have been conjured up and appealed to in order to call forth popular indignation against those whose business it is to exhibit demonstratively the structure of the human body and the functions of its different organs the public journals from a vicious propensity to pander to the vulgar appetite for excitement have raked up and industriously circulated stories of exhumation of dead bodies tending to exasperate and inflame the passions of the mob and persons who by their own showing are friendly to the interests of science have in the excess of their zeal that bodies should remain undisturbed in their progress to decomposition laboured to destroy in this country that art whose province it is to free living bodies from the consequences inseparable from accident and disease and which is worst of all the prejudices of the multitude have been confirmed and rendered inveterate by the proceedings in our courts of justice which have visited with the punishment due only to felons the unhappy persons necessarily employed in the present state of the law in procuring subjects for the dissecting-room he then goes on to state that until anatomy be publicly sanctioned in edinburgh the school of medicine there can never flourish that upon the present system young men obtain a degree or a diploma after a year or two of grinding that is of learning by rote the answers to the questions which the examiners are in the habit of putting to the candidates 
that ignorant of the very elements of their profession numbers of persons thus educated annually go to the east and west indies and to the army and navy where they have the charge of hundreds of their suffering fellow-creatures to whom they are in fact the instruments of cruelty and murder in the preface to the fourth part he adds that when part two was published in the early part of the session he took occasion to express his sorrow for the degraded state of his profession and the threatened ruin of the medical school of his native place owing to the scarcity of subjects that for doing this he has incurred considerable censure that he regrets that he has yet found no reason to alter his opinion for the winter session is now near its conclusion and he candidly declares that such has been the scarcity of material that no teacher of anatomy or surgery has been able either to follow the regular plan of his course or to do his duty to his pupils the consequence of which has been that many of the students have left the school in disgust and gone either to dublin or paris while a still greater number deprived of the means of dissecting have contented themselves with lectures or theories and with grinding and entered on the practice of their profession ignorant of its fundamental principles End of part three.